0: Welcome friends and family to another episode of the Backdoor Cut Show, a Memphis Grizzlies fan podcast brought to you by uh, the Barnburner Podcast Network and the-barnburner.com. Today we're recording uh, live in the green room, and you got Sam and Zach with you today on this lovely off-season evening. Going to talk about some of the off-season moves, and also Sam made an appearance at Summer League in Vegas, so he got... Um, had boots on the ground, eyes on the prospects, and hopefully some some insight into uh, some first-hand knowledge from what he was able to see uh, with his own eyes. But Sam, how are you doing?
1: I'm good. It has been six months, maybe eight months since we've podcasted, since we've been part of the show. Now, we, we've got a lot of good reasons for that. We've all been going through a lot of personal developments. Uh, we all... Most of the people on the show, me and Zach and Mason, moved across the country about four or five months ago. Uh, Mason moved back to Memphis, and then Zach and I moved out west. So we've kind of been all over the place, getting our lives established in our new homes and also starting new jobs and all of that. So it's been hard to get back on the show, but I'm glad to be back. And, you know, it feels like we never left, Zach. It really does.
0: Pretty much. I mean including the technical difficulties and the internet issues, you know, that's par for the course, but I, I assume that most, uh, amateur podcasters experience that on a regular basis. So
1: I, I'm, I'm not too like uh, out case. of shape for it. Yeah. Shout out to Donda, uh, the new Kanye album dropped this morning, at like 7am. Um, and I've, uh, I've given it a listen once through it's, it's good as Kanye stuff often is. It's something you don't just listen to once and, totally get it so to speak you have to kind of let it wash over you so shout out that he, he's been living in the mercedes-benz arena uh in like a little like cupboard uh it's pretty interesting stuff it's like performance art too and then also shout out penny hardaway for the number one recruiting class and you know we are memphis tigers fans and originally from memphis as well he pulled in uh jaylen durin and amani bates the number four and five i think in certain listings players of in the 2021 class often well, most likely because they reclassified from 2022. Uh, so Penny's got the number one recruiting class for the second time in three recruiting cycles that he's had. And uh, that's that's pretty good stuff, man. It's exciting. And we can only hope that it ends better than it has in the past this year. But you got the mix of old guys, you got the mix of veterans, you got role players, and then you got two phenom freshmen that are likely going to go in the NBA lottery um, to supplement the roster. How are you feeling about your and IMFS Tigers?
0: Uh, i every year they rip my heart out for the past like decade or so. So I'm not gonna like when the Wiseman class came in. I was you know elite eight, Final Four focused, but we we haven't made the tournament in a long time. So gosh, just those kinda, are the days. W- w- let's get there and then see where that takes us. But we got some dogs on this team. Some guys who are you know ready to play. Um, Going to make a big splash in the league as well. You know, not necessarily the same players. Some a lot of guys left, but I think that the right players stayed, and that's pretty critical for building that culture uh, of hard nosed basketball and winning. Uh, guys like Jondre Williams and Lester Quinones have kind of become the heartbeat of this team uh, in their
1: their tenure here. All of that season would be Tulsa and Frank Haith, who have become the thorn in the Tigers' side. Um, No matter who's on that roster, they just have our number. And so I I expect to run through the American, um, but expectations, as we know in college basketball, can easily get shattered. And then I end up firing off texts into the group, like, (coughs) this sucks, and these guys, like, just are not playing well, and they suck. And then Mason defends them, and then you're in the middle. And that's what we do. That's what we do. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, again – I still don't think I've been wrong in any of my concerns. Like, I think we should have been better every single year. I think, I I think objectively that's true. But anyway, we'll get into that at some other time. Um, I guess let's start with the offseason, which we haven't, we didn't even podcast when we won the play in game versus the Warriors and went to the playoffs. Like, that's how out of it we've been. (laughs) We didn't even do a show at the greatest moment of, I feel like we have to like recapture the magic and recapture our fandom. Um, cause that's insane that we didn't at least do a 30 minute show about like the, the pinnacle moment of this young roster.
0: Yeah. We've got to, we've got to recapture the hearts and minds of our audience. I think we got to get back on the right track. Uh, we gotta, we gotta do what Brandon Clark needs to do. Like we gotta get back in the gym, get our reps up, s- stop dying our hair and being in Hollywood and all that stuff. We gotta, do you mean like make three,
1: three open threes in a workout gym, um, while it's being recorded and then never make it in the game. Is that what you mean by be Brandon Clark?
0: No, be Brandon Clark in the way that I hope that he is going to be better. Oh God. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I Me, I, I've made a, I decided this year, summer league. And then these workout videos mean nothing to me. The, the only thing I'm concerned about is if you suck in them, if you're Correct. good in them, then it's like, okay, cool. Like that's what you're supposed to do. You're an NBA player. And if you're, in an open run or you're in summer league, like you should be better than most people in an open run. No one's really playing defense summer leagues, like trying to separate the wheat from the chaff. And so I'm not going to get super hype about either one of those. Uh, But if you, there there are a lot of red flags that can come up. Like if you can't hold your own in summer league, then that's kind of concerning.
1: That's right. Yeah. I think that's absolutely right. Um, Moving to the, Off-season, so the team before the draft, and something we discussed on our draft show that we did a few months ago, uh, they traded uh, Jonas Valanciunas to the Pelicans uh, and the 17th pick to move up in the draft to the 10th pick, and then in return received Steven Adams and Eric Bledsoe. Um, Bledsoe, obviously, then was turned into Pat Bev and Rondo in a trade with the Clippers, uh, reuniting Bledsoe back with his Clippers brethren. And then Pat Bev was turned into Wancho Herman Gómez and Jared Culver to Minneapolis. Wanjo um, was told not to show up or do a physical, apparently, so the team is likely going to either waive him or try to trade him again. It seems like. Uh, granted, that can change. And Rondo was ultimately waived and looks to be signing with the Lakers. Zach, now's your time to convince me that Steven Adams is either better or worse than JV. I don't know what your angle is here.
0: Mm, I I think that it's not that easy. So, people were pretty pissed off. A lot of people were pissed off. Short-minded people were pissed off at the trade. But what we're doing is we're moving away from a post-offense, which we've had in the past, and we see how that works uh, in the modern NBA. JV held us together for multiple years when we, like, couldn't get a bucket. Who else was going to get a bucket on that team? With Jaron on the bench and Ja not being able to shoot a three, and Kyle Anderson sure wasn't hitting threes at that point. Dylan Brooks was jacking up shots. JV was the anchor. He was able to get us a bucket when we needed. Pretty much the only guy on that roster that was rebounding uh, to any extent as well. So he he was awesome when he was here. But we're bringing in Jaron back, which feels like a free agent signing. You know, drafting Zaire. Things are changing, and that type of player is not going to be as helpful for us because we need a little bit more of a a guy who let's he reminds me of Zebo in the way that like you gotta give him the ball. Like you gotta feed him every like two, three possessions or he's you know, what's his purpose of being out there on offense? He kinda just flounders most of the time. Not a super great role guy. Sets hard screens, but his role gravity is not, not a great Steven Adams, on the other hand Really good – or still a good screen setter. Really good roll gravity. Uh, you really got to be watching for him when he's cut into the rim after the – after he sets the pick up top. Uh, and also, a lot of people looked at his numbers from last season when he was with New Orleans. That's a terrible, like, comparison, I think. You got to go back to some of his previous teams with uh, with the Thunder, and kind of see the role that he played on those teams. And a lot of his efficiency per 36 is not that far off from what uh, JV was able to do. Like, he still finishes around the rim, okay, so that's a wash. He didn't have as many rebounds in New Orleans as JV had last year here. But like I said, no one on this team was interested in rebounding in particular. Uh, But uh, New Orleans had folks like Zion – and some other players who were, you know, actively trying to rebound. So those boards are just gonna. I bet you can switch them. I wouldn't be surprised to see Adams average like nine to eleven rebounds a game this season. So I think you're gonna get that rebounding production, you know, immediately back uh, in the form of Adams. Um, I also saw him shoot two fadeaways in a workout video against Evan Mobley. So he's going to be amazing for mid-range. Just kidding. I I totally went against my own logic right there. Um but I thought that was kind of funny that he and Evan Mobley were playing together. And like that made his highlight or little uh video snippet. Um but overall like I think the trade makes sense. And JV is on expiring contract. No reason to continue paying him by Next year's trade deadline, Stephen Adams will also have been traded. So it just kind of the gift that keeps on giving uh, as far as getting assets uh, in a very timely and responsible manner, I think.
1: So you think that you're going we're going to get, and Stephen Adams is still only 28 years old, despite the fact that, yeah. you know, he, he, he has been in the league forever. He came in at 19. So, um, you know, it, it makes those guys seem older than they are. He's well away from his prime and the way he plays is not particularly electric or um relies on athleticism he's a really skilled role man and really has really good hands too you think we're going to get the thunder of steven adams as opposed to that what what some might argue is a fluky year with with the the pelicans
0: i think that's certainly the hope uh, and kind of with the roster construction that's that's what uh, like you got a dynamic point guard obviously in morant Um, and and i think that that is what the front office is hoping that they get that it's just a plug and play from his previous team you know had a bad year last year and then plop him right down into the forum and he can kind of pick
1: up where he left off the the marketing team is also gonna have a field day with him. he's just a a character and uh he's uh, the city's gonna love him obviously um you know much has been said about the zebo thing in 2014 when zebo got suspended for punching him and i'm sure he could get under guy's skins because he plays hard and you know has no issues with with uh playing tough and physical down in the post but i I think like there will easily be two to three steven adams giveaways um i think we could pretty much count on that um and that that, what they are i don't know like maybe a little wooden flute do they do that in in australia or new zealand is he new zealand
0: uh he's a kiwi right isn't that that's New Zealand? That is, that is correct.
1: Yes, that is correct. Yeah, okay, New Zealand. Actually, yeah. and interesting. He has a he comes from like a family of like ten, ten or eleven kids, and his dad like he has like a bunch of half siblings because his dad was like a in and out of jail and like just impregnating women across New Zealand. uh And so he's that really interesting. If you ever want to spend some time looking up his history, huh. it's yeah, and um just sort of escaped New Zealand. He claims that if he had stayed there, he'd have. Absolutely been in one of those kind of street gangs or whatever and, like, just been a – basically just a – whatever they call a criminal over there. Um, But then he got out and, um, you know, came over here and played basketball at Pitt, and now he's in the league. Um, All right, so what do you think of the Culver deal? Um, A lot of people are talking about Culver being the flyer guy. Like, he's a six overall pick in 2019 out of Texas Tech with played in the championship game. I liked him coming out of Texas Tech because he's like a 6'6". Six 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 seven 6'7", wing, played great defense, played for a tough coach and Chris Beard, um, obviously won at every level, and, and seemed to be the guy that would, you know, if he couldn't shoot then, he would learn to shoot, but then he just languished in Minnesota, got less minutes as the season went on. I've seen him, like, I feel like one Grizzlies game, he had, like, 30 or something, so I, like, have a skewed opinion of him, um, but his stats are abysmal. He's been terrible. Realistically, I hate second draft guys. I always do. I've always hated him. Yeah like back to Ben McLemore. So I don't know if I should, you know, but I dislike Ben McLemore from the beginning. So maybe that's, that's part of it. Um, but I don't think this was about Jared Culver. I think as, as has been discussed it's more about contracts, breaking up Bledsoe into two different contracts um, and then turning Pat Bev into two more contracts. Uh, and then, you know, giving you that flexibility to trade those for different players or picks um, or, you know, when you cut them, it's not as big of a hit if you have to cut Wancho it's not like you're buying out a guy for seventeen million, or buying out a guy for like six, seven million, uh, or whatever Wancho's contract is. So, uh, I, I think that's this is a, this is has nothing to do with the names on the back of the uniform. That has everything to do with their salaries at this point.
0: Yeah, I, I think across the board, saved like a million bucks as well um, on the, against the cap. If I, I'm not optimistic that he's going to turn into anything, like you said, coming out of tech, like pretty interesting guy. Um, good size on him, really, really good defender. Um, and maybe that can be a calling card for him. I don't know, but I don't really see – you're not going to play him over guys like Melton and Bain and Dylan Brooks. Hopefully not.
1: And, it would be oh, the bane yeah, of, right. of fast big Breakfast's existence <laughs> if he took Melton's minutes now that he's here. Um, I know Keith's sweating about it. I've talked to him about it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that would, uh, that would be sad. Like you get rid of Grayson Allen and then – Taylor Jenkins finds a new guy to fill those minutes with. That'd be tough.
1: A lot has been said about his uh, dad being the team chaplain for Texas Tech. Um, he's a real quiet kind of religious kid. They basically make him out to be a character from Remember the Titans when they talk about him. Like he's like the <laughs> quiet guy with the Bible all the time. And like I'm just like, all right, like maybe we haven't gotten to the climax of the movie yet, and he hasn't come of his own and figured out like he needs to every now and then curse and uh, and play tough. I don't know. I. Just, I just like just that's sh- what they talk about him. That's they talk about him like he's wearing like a pope outfit in in the locker room.
0: Uh, just, just shoot better than like what is it, twenty five percent from three? Is <laughs> Dude,
1: it? just abysmal as numbers. Ugh. Yeah, it's
0: it's it's it, pretty for bad. a bad team
1: too. You know, if you can't crack minutes on the the Timberwolves, however, it cuts both ways, right? Like the Timberwolves are a pretty terrible situation for everyone. Like no one succeeds there, uh, and it, it it is not a good place to get drafted. So I think you also get a little bit of a pass coming from a team that hasn't had its shit together to some extent. Um, but we'll see, you know, but again, I don't, you know, if he turns out and could be a rotation guy for us and just kind of be a, you know, eighth, ninth, 10th man. Great. Um, you know, if he doesn't, then whatever. Uh, another team might take a flyer on him as an expiring, but we do have to pick up his option. And that's the issue. I think is deciding what to do with his like insane option. I think he'd be making like, more than like half our roster. If we picked up his option, just by virtue of where he got picked. Yeah. um, He was kind of funny. So it's kind of dumb to have a guy like that as your eighth or 10th man making more money than like half your roster. um, Who plays like making 10 times what Bane makes, for example.
0: Yeah. I I think the assumption is they'll do a Josh Jackson type deal where they just, they decline it and then kind of see what,
1: what happens from there. What transpires. Do we think Mason's going to be a big Jared Culver guy or not, uh, or anti Jared Culver? <laughs> in in the past, like- Mason's been big on these guys. Like he loved—I don't know if he loved Macklemore, but he loved Josh Jackson. Like he was like, "Get this guy oh, to Summer yeah. League." He's like Jordan and Kobe combined, um, and we need to get him on the roster and playing because <laughs> you know, uh, you know, he's not here to defend himself. But he was a big, big Josh Jackson, guy. and I could well- take issue with the the way that he was handled, like. Obviously, professional sports is not like ISS. You know, it's not like uh, in high school where you get sent to the library to, like, write the same sentence for 50 times. And I always thought that was a little weird um, that that was going on. But, you know, he wasn't good. So, whatever. (laughs) Yeah,
0: well, also, there was... There weren't, like, a ton of storylines that season. So everyone really focused in on that as, like, that was going to be some big breakthrough or something if he started to get minutes all the time. But I had a couple good games there in garbage part of the season. But, it, it, yeah. I, I, but back to your question. Hmm. I don't know. I uh, I don't think so. I think Mason – I think there's too much other stuff going on for Mason to be that
1: concerned about Jared Culver. Yeah, well, we'll we'll ask the man himself sometime when he's able to join us. Um, Okay, any other roster stuff you want to talk about? Uh, Any any things that occurred during the summer in the trade or free agent signing market that you wanted to discuss that may or may not affect the Grizzlies uh, before we transition into Vegas Summer League?
0: I can't believe it took us this
1: long to cut Sean McDermott, but... Oh man! <laughs> that finally happened. <laughs> that dude. I will tell you this: like I've been playing a lot more basketball recently, uh, but by, just by virtue of like a bunch of us living kind of within walking distance of a park court, um, and I, we could use him out there. Like I think he, I think, I think he'd uh, probably have fifty. Um, he'd give you buckets. He, oh, absolutely. He would completely toast me in every single way. Uh, and you know, like I understand that. So just let me put that out there: that like obviously we're all talking about this about these guys and making fun of their games and they could eviscerate any of us. Um, I just want people to be aware that we're aware of that, but this dude does not belong in an NBA roster. And I, I don't know if they were trying, I know it's like classic white guy, white guy. If they were trying to get the next Duncan Robinson, the kind of like under unheralded sniper from like a good college program who seems like a good kid and, uh, I don't know what makes Duncan Robinson Duncan Robinson. I know he's like one of the greatest shooters ever. Um so that might be it. But it's I I I don't know why some guys fail and why some guys succeed, I guess, is my main point here.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Him and Marco Guterich go in the same bucket for me.
1: Well but- Guterich wasn't couldn't move. He's just he was so clearly athletically outmatched. I will tell you McDermott could at least run around and look like a colorable NBA player, you know, like yeah. he looked like he would get a shot. It would look good. We talked about it. It's the greatest looking jumper that never goes in. I mean, it, it's it, it. It looked good. That was the the confounding part about it. But anyway, you know, enough about Sean McD, um and more about uh, you know whatever else is your next point. <laughs> that's all. That's all I got right now. Okay. Uh, yeah. A uh, Bain. You. Know, we should talk about. I guess we will talk generally about the Grizzlies and Summer League, and then I'll talk about my experience personally. Um, obviously, the Grizzlies played in the Vegas League. I'm sorry, the uh, Salt Lake League prior, uh, and then went over to Vegas. And Tillman and Desmond Bain were playing. They didn't get a chance to play last year because they uh, obviously COVID canceled Summer League, so then they went this year. A lot of the guys did that. A lot of the second-year guys didn't get a chance to play. And so what you, what you want to see when you have your second-year guys or I guess one full year of the league under their belt and got actual minutes. You want to see them dominate in summer league. Um, it, as you mentioned earlier, if they don't, then it's concerning. And that's the issue. It's not them doing well in summer league is what they should do. And nothing more, nothing less. And they did that, I thought. Uh, Desert Bain looked like the best player on the floor in many games. Um, and ha- exhibited some good ball handling with X was playing in the pick and roll. Played, played point guard, basically, for the Grizzlies played the entire Salt Lake League, maybe rested one game, and then played about half of Vegas. Um, and then they let the young, even younger guys play. Uh, what did you see out of Bain and Tillman that you liked?
0: The, with Bain out there, it was clear that he was the alpha on that, on that team when he was out there, which was really encouraging because he's the guy with the most NBA minutes on the court. Um, so you, you kind of expect that from him, or you, you want to see him take that leadership role instead of sitting back, maybe letting things transpire. He really took the game himself. Like, he brought himself to the game, and he hit a lot of, he hit a lot of shots. Um, he, in his two games in Vegas, he averaged 24 points a game, uh, and he hit uh, four and a half, geez, four and a half threes a game. Like he was just on just on fire. He clearly outmatched everyone. Uh, a lot of good passing, and like you said, uh, he even mentioned or Jenkins mentioned that uh, he was going to run the point some, which is cool because that adds another ball handler to uh, the main roster. With Tyus on a uh, expiring contract, you don't really we don't know 100 percent what's going to happen there. I would assume he's probably not. Going to be with the Grizzlies long term, probably not past the trade deadline, um, just because we have other guys that we're looking to fill that role, like Bain and Melton. So, and with Jock, and play he plays heavy minutes. Uh, so that was really encouraging. And yeah, and Tillman just he also looked more skilled than most of the guys out there, and just head and shoulders knowledge wise. Uh, and experience-wise, above everyone else, so it was it was just good to see the two guys that should be pushing everyone around doing just that.
1: Agreed. Yeah, they look good. Um, who else looked good on the on the Grizzlies? Uh, they played I think three games in Salt Lake and I think six games or so in Vegas, um, five or six games. Did did you see anyone else on the team that you thought deserved a two way or? Uh, an exhibit 10 to be in training camp or maybe, you know, might get a look on another person's roster. Uh, who else did you like? So Tilly uh, caught at least one of his game. He was just, he was
0: unstoppable. Uh, one game, he was draining shots from everywhere. And he's someone that, you know, he he was so good in college, such a like versatile, big, like tall player who can shoot the ball so well. So that is obviously a great asset but had so many injury issues. You didn't really know what what you were going to get. You know, he was a projected lottery guy until he started getting hurt all the time. Uh, and then that was why the Grizzlies were able to pick him up undrafted last year. Uh, just, so to see him ball out was pretty cool because I've always been kind of curious. He seems like a guy who would be really good, to afford, like really valuable for a team. We didn't really see that a whole bunch last year. He didn't get a ton of minutes, but... You know, I I am curious to see like what his future holds, uh, but it was encouraging to see him really light it up a couple times as
1: well. Do you think if you if you were out at a bar and took a bunch of tequila shots and you were being really honest with yourself, if someone came up to you and said, "Zach, do you think Killian Tilly is a rotation guy on a playoff team, on a good playoff team?" What, what would your heart tell you?
0: Uh, pr- probably not. No. Right. He's probably not in the top, top uh, like nine on like a good team.
1: I think that's right. Um, Could give you big minutes in the, I mean, not big, but can give you spot valuable minutes in the regular season, though. Um, And not a bad guy to have on your roster, but also could very well be kind of included in a package to a young, even more rebuilding team, maybe. Um, But yeah, I thought he looked good. Uh, Finally, he was starting to like play minutes. Little healthy started to show the skills that made him so good in college, and made everyone say, "Wow, what a great draft pick!" Like the only knock on him is that he never plays, and you know you get it. You get it when you see him on the court. You can understand why he would be a valuable player to an NBA team. Um, but no, I agree with that. What do you think of Zaire Williams, the Grizzlies' tenth overall pick out of Stanford? Uh, you know, made his debut in summer league. Um, started every game, I believe, except for maybe one. They rested him, um, playing mostly the three and did you see anything out of him that surprised you or uh, disappointed you or all of the above?
0: I, I think it was pretty hot and cold with him. So he started off really good, and then kind of, he's, he made a lot of – I think turnovers is probably the big thing that sticks out to me is a concern, but a lot of that can be worked on, uh, like that decision-making and just getting reps because he did play you know, a ton – last year uh, in college. So I really felt kind of neutral about the situation with him, like the showing at least. Uh, It wasn't like a dazzling performance, but it wasn't like off a cliff or anything. Uh, But the turnovers were one thing that uh, stuck out as kind of a negative. Uh, His defense was solid. I I liked that side of him. Uh, And and he shows really good – or flashes of passing uh, and a lot of other stuff. So it's really going to – it's going to be probably a couple-year uh, path before we really
1: get to see, like, what kind of player he actually is. I think that's right. Yeah, I think it's going to be a few years for him, not in the way that it was for, you know, two years away from two years away. No sort Bruno, of outside. please. Yeah, like, I, it's more like for him to be – you know, who he should be, it's going to be a few years, but he's obviously skilled, um, plays hard, plays smart, and always plays within himself for the most part. Uh, You know, like, big wing, like, Kawhi Leonard took a few years to become Kawhi Leonard, obviously. You know, he was like an eight points per game guy, maybe six and eight points per game, like his his rookie sophomore year. Um, You know, played big minutes on a really good team not big minutes, but played, got actual minutes on, on, you know, a bunch of really good Spurs, like that second life Spurs teams, but you know, it wasn't like himself for a while. So, you know, sometimes it takes a few years um, and I don't think that, you know, anyone's going to be mad about that. I will say like, he's fast as hell. Uh, There was a couple of times where they would be on the break and he would just beat like three guys, like um, to where it looked, it almost looked like it would be, have been a clear path foul, but he just is faster than like three other guys. Um, and so he moves like, like a gazelle, uh, and he's built like Brandon Inger, but I think he moves even quicker. Um, and I was also really, uh, it was a with of speed, but then also like he would get the ball and I would feel like he was going to go up and dunk and he never would. He would just like get fouled and not finish. And I know that was a concern at, at Stanford was his strength and finishing around the rim. And there were some times where he like had the clear break and I thought he was just going to go up and yam on someone. And he just didn't, you know. He just got fouled and like lost his balance, and, um, you know, that's just he's 19. You know, he's gonna put on some weight and figure it out. But he's on a good team to to develop and a bunch of good young guys to help build him. I think, um, at least I hope so, anyway.
0: Yeah, I think with this go around, like we gotta wait two to three years to really see what's gonna be there. Unlike Jaron, I didn't give Jaron that uh, that window for some reason, and now looking because he was it good all, really make- right off the
1: bat he was good right off the bat, you know, like yeah, uh, he, he set uh,
0: the bar pretty high for himself
1: and ja, obviously like, too. Like job ja was all good right away. So it's yeah. like, we're kind of used to that. Um, maybe irrationally. So, yeah, like both of those, I will tell you that I did not expect either of those guys to be good right away. And they both were, uh, so that was exciting. And then Jaron had like an insane year too. you know, 17 and seven or whatever he was averaging 17 and five. Um, so I was like, Oh shit, he's doing that at like, 19 to 20 years old. Um, this is going to be great. And then, you know, injury set in, but we'll see. I think we're willing to give them some time. Um, let's talk about summer league because I know it's something you're interested in. And I know we've been told from some of our, our fellow bloggers um, that it's awesome. And I'm here to tell you, Zach, it is indeed awesome. Uh, it, it is a, so it's like in Vegas, obviously the event takes place um, at UNLV, uh, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, um, where obviously Tarkanian had some really good teams in the 90s. So it has a his- kind of a history there, a college basketball history as well. Uh, and you can see like the giant bronze statue of Tarkanian. And, um, you know, there's banners in there and whatnot and retired numbers of, of players that have been through there. Uh, so it, it's the event takes place like between two gyms that are connected. So there's uh, there's the Thomas and Mack Center, which is the bigger like main gym. And then there's the Cox gym which is or cox facility or whatever it's called cox arena which is uh the smaller gym which i think is probably maybe the women's team or, or volleyball um you know kind of like at memphis the 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 smaller uh what was that called the jungle uh elva the Fieldhouse. Yeah, yeah 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 Fieldhouse. um but it feels uh, a little bit like an aau tournament um just people walking around there's millions of jerseys there's jerseys from like the most bizarre NBA players that you'll, you've never seen in your life. Um, you you walk out of the, the blazing Vegas sun. It's like insanely hot, as you can imagine in the desert into this ice cold gym. And then it's like, it's almost like you're in the casino of basketball. Like you're, you're in this ice cold gym. You, there's no sun coming in. So it's like, you could lose track of the day in there. Um, so it's, it's kind of a bizarre, it feels like they're pumping oxygen in there. It feels like, everyone's kind of happy. I mean, there's plenty of concessions. You could drink all day if you wanted. You can do that. But obviously, like, it's the most pure basketball experience in existence. Oh, pure NBA experience, I should say, because you're walking around. I mean, you're amongst GMs, coaches, players, other execs. You could sit like anywhere by them. Technically, the first two or three rows are reserved, but you could sit right up against those. Um, you know, those reserved for players and coaches and execs and whatnot. Uh, but you can sit right up there. So you can very well be sitting, you know, I was sitting three seats away from multiple NBA guys on teams. And a lot of the NBA guys just come out to Vegas, hang out, party, stay in, you know, the Cosmo or the Aria or the Venetian or all the, the really nice casino hotels that are on the south side of the strip, which is close to UNLV. And it's just a big kind of celebration of the league. And I could definitely see, like I took my wife one day. This, this, i went two days and i took i went by myself one day and took her to the second and she was bored as hell because it's like i understand she does not care about these guys on these teams trying to make a roster or yeah, even you gotta like, be
0: i feel like you got to be in it like if, you, if yeah. you're there you have to really be a diehard hoop head or else it's like i don't know go into a, like a baking show taping or something like that if you're not into cooking at all
1: yeah exactly exactly um so like the first game i went to was a bucks game i sat next to this random dude who'd Um, I was wearing a grizzly shirt and he asked me if I work for the grizzlies and I said, no, but I know, like, I I know some of the front office and I'm a lawyer and I do some sports work. And so we, we, we started talking, uh, he's a finance guy up in New York and he knows the owner of the bucks. One of the owners, one of the three owners, who's also a finance guy in New York. Um, so he's like close to the team and he was like, yeah, Giannis is about to come in here and sit like right over there, um, in like two minutes. Because uh, he was texting with the other, and then and walks Giannis and his brothers um, to watch the Bucks play. Uh, I should say two of his brothers. Is the fourth one? I don't know if he's the youngest. Alex, Alex Antetokounmpo, um, is was on the Kings' summer league roster. Um, so they were just hanging, you know, being Greek guys. I don't know if they gamble. I don't know if they do. They just, just hang out. And He's a gargantuan human being, um, and it's funny to see him like just, you know, in street clothes. Uh, yeah. But. One of the days I went over and saw, I think it was that day, I went over and saw Grizz Kings. I accidentally sat behind the entire Spurs, I'm sorry, Kings front office, including Monty McNair, the GM. When I say right behind him, he was literally in front of me, like my knee kept bumping into his his seat. Um, Luke Walton was like uh, right in front of me as well, as whereas Buddy Heald and Tyrese Halliburton, Alvin Gentry, who's on the Kings coaching staff. Um I'll tell you a little bit about this game. So this is a game where Bain and Tillman don't play. So like we were just giving Zaire a lot of shots and like there was no synergy. So we were getting beat. Obviously, Davion Mitchell was just, you know, killing us. Um, And so I leaned forward to Monty McNair, who used to be with the Rockets, uh, used to be assistant GM under Raphael Stone um, at the Rockets, and then went over and became the head guy with the Kings. He's new. Uh, He looks really angry and mean. Um, But I leaned forward and I said – You guys got one with Davion, and then he just completely ignored me. I mean, like, in every single... didn't even acknowledge that I said anything. Uh, And then eventually, like, once he realized that I had said something, he turned around and just did the curse, like, the real curt smile, like, like, uh, basically, Mm -hmm. like, fuck off, dude. Um, And I was like, all right, okay. Like, you know, I was actually trying to compliment you. What I could have talked about back here is, like, all the horrendous moves that have been made by... Um, you know, you and your some of your front office, but obviously, I was trying to be the good guy. But you know, we see how that goes. But I will say, he was trolling Luke Walton the whole time. Um, every time that the Kings didn't get a call, he would punch Luke Walton in the back of the shoulder and say, "Why are you not raising hell? Get us a call, man! Get us a call!" And then Luke would just start goofily laughing. And I couldn't get, I couldn't understand that the vibe was like abusive housewife. Uh, but it seemed like it. Uh, it seemed like he was living in a state of terror over um his boss and GM and it was really weird the vibes. Uh but Luke seemed like a real amicable guy, you know, like um just a nice kind of Cali sort of dude. Uh and Halley was sitting next to him and Halley was doing a couple of really funny things. I could hear everything he said. So I heard him talking about the players. I heard him talking about the um you know the Grizzlies and the Kings and every time that Santi Aldama shot and Santi Aldama shot like what felt like fifty times that game and he missed forty nine of them. Um, he actually finished summer league like shooting like seventeen percent from the field or something like that. He could not have looked worse. Uh, yeah, every time nah. Santi shot, Howie yelled, "Hell not nah. Like just yelled it across <laughs> the gym. And I know for facts, this is in a smaller gym that Santi heard it. Um, and 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 talking to Keith, who I also met up with at this game, Keith of Keith Parrish of Fast Break Breakfast, um, we sat next to each other for a little bit, and he said he's heard it. He's heard that exact thing throughout summer league. Um, some guys are. Really not respecting Santi's game. Um, so that was that was tough. Uh, Hallie was also roasting Davion Mitchell. Uh, someone leaned forward and said, man, he looks good. And he said, yeah, i do going to get any minutes this year. Uh, he has yeah, we got too many guards. And I was like, damn, that's like what a blog boy would say. And now it's from the horse's mouth, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he was like sort of kidding, but also you could tell like he does not want to give up any minutes to this kid. Uh, and, you know, he kind of made his name last year as like a, you know, kind of a... a a really talented, immediately impactful guy. Uh, so you know, we'll see. But he was sitting away from the front office, so it was like also that was also some weird energy because he obviously shows up in trade rumors every seven to eight minutes. Um, so that was weird. But he was still there. Um, you know, Davion looked good. He did, uh, and, and uh, despite me trying to to brag on him to the the Kings brass, you know, um, I still felt good about him. So uh, that was uh, that was interesting. But that's the sort of the stuff that you can experience you can really soak it in and everyone is there everyone in these front offices it is quite literally a work trip for them um they they watch all the teams they soak in players to try to fill out their rosters they're evaluating their own draft pick and it's really kind of a a networking event for all these people you could tell like when you have the badge and you have if you're on a front office or with the team you have a badge that allows you to sit in those three rows and everyone with a badge like kind of walk with a little bit of a stride with their head held a little bit higher and they were kind of the VIPs of the event. Um, But obviously none of them were drinking. So it's a combination of fucked up fans that are just like happy to be there because it's cheap and they get to see players close up. Um, And and these like GMs that are mad, you know, about the fucked up fans and, you know, like are either really happy about the guy they picked or or not. It's quite interesting. actually. Imagine a work networking event. Like if there was a, I don't know, a, 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 like a manufacturing like consumer product manufacturing conference that you went to in vegas and like there were people that could just spectate you guys and just get hammered like and heckle you and you were there like like sort of working it, it was interesting that yeah it, we're it, trying it to really like is.
0: get stuff get stuff done while they're just like where their entertainment
1: well and they're pretty like unaware so they, they're i mean i'm keyed i know like i've done a lot of research on who's in these front offices and who the guys are and i know what they look like because i've like done research on them so i could recognize these these people um you know without like someone telling me because i'm aware of the you know the basketball side of all these teams and but obviously like the fans aren't so the fans will just come down there and be talking shit about a player that just got <laughs> drafted two rows behind the guy who more could than likely made the call yeah and um, mm. you could tell there was some you know there were some like uh some these guys have to get used to it i guess it happens every year but that was quite interesting um and then one last story the Saw the Spurs play too. Um, was similarly behind where all the Spurs were sitting. The Spurs front office and, um, well, I guess first of all, Primo, Josh Primo, their their surprising pick um, at at number twelve. Um, he looked good, man. Like he can he can score and in a lot of different ways. And it was, um, you know, he was really going at it uh, versus the Rockets and uh, the Josh Christopher <laughs> and it. was, you know, um, it was really exciting to see those two young guys really play hard and, um, you know, play against each other. Uh, but yeah, so I'm sitting there and on the front row, this dude sits down. He's like giant and he's wearing these big ass jean shorts. I mean, these jean shorts were like a mile wide. And he sits down. Can you hear me? Yeah. And I'm like, that looks like Dunk, or I mean, I was like, that looks like David Robbins. Um And I was like, but no way. I mean, why would he be at summer league like decades after he retired? Like he's not that big of a Spurs fan. Like that would be ridiculous. Um, And then I look down on the roster that you get a pamphlet with all the rosters. And I see a guy named Justin Robinson on the Spurs summer league roster. And I look up and um, you know, I'm like looking at this guy closer and he's like so gargantuan that it just has to be. And I'm like, that's David Robinson. Uh, And so I was, you know, like two rows away from David Robinson watching his son with his wife and other son uh, play. And that was quite interesting as well. Um, but I mean, you could, you know, like, you can walk right up to these guys. Like some people did, some people walk right up to him and like got him to sign something. There's they have security guards, but obviously, if you look like, I think the player kind of dictates how open he is. Like if he tells the guard to like, "Hey, dude, don't let anyone approach me," then that's the case. And unfortunately, Red. that seemed to be the way the jaw handled it. Like I saw quite a few Grizzlies fans that were there that tried to get up to Jaw, and he no one had any luck getting into Jaw. Um, at any point during the the. Um, hmm. Because he was at every Grizzlies game and set front row. I will tell you also one last observation. The Grizzlies, like, all were there. The entire front office was there. Zach Klein was there. Rich Cho was there. Um, all of their scouts who were all from Duke, which is pretty funny because we know Kleinman's a huge Duke guy. Um, they were all sitting together. And then all the players were there. I mean, Coach was there. Jerem was there. Brandon Clark was there. DB was there. Melton was there. Um, ja was there. And they watched every single Grizzlies summer league game. Uh, which I know is appreciated by the young guys. And you could just tell, like, we see it a million times. Uh, Jaron tweeted that one time, like, it's because, you know, after the Grizzlies were having a good run of wins, Jaron tweeted, it's because we hang out. Um, and, you know, that while that seems like a simple distillation about it, I, you can see it, like, they're legitimate friends. And I think that matters when you're a young team. And I think that that might be why they've overachieved every year, uh, contrary to Vegas' predictions. And everyone's like, wait a minute, why is this happening? Um, I think it matters for a young team. So I didn't notice that, and it's good to see.
0: Do you think that um, when tough decisions have to start being made as far as the roster, people getting traded, contracts being too big to all have the same team, that type of thing, that is going to become an issue? Like they will harbor some resentment towards the front office, or they'll just – they know business is business and just continue to be professional – and build the relationships with the guys who remain on the roster. I guess it's hard to say from the outside looking in, but, you know, I guess that could always be a, a potential outcome, like a concern.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously, you, know, you You'd rather
0: it be there and at least have that starting point than, like, them not be friends at all and not have that chemistry at any point in time so that's true yeah that's what i was, was gonna part say part of
1: it uh you know i think that it's front office of front office too like obviously the key of being in basketball front office is developing relationships with your guys making sure they trust you then also be able to pull the trigger on moves like that you know trade a dude away at a moment's notice and have them you know not resent you for it the, number one the player and number two the the rest of the guys remaining on the roster so i think like you just have to be open um, you know, and for example, like they didn't re-sign Justice Winslow and obviously Jaron and Justice like to spend a lot of time together and I don't think that's made Jaron any less like he all he does is tweet about the Grizzlies and how excited he is and stuff like that. Um, not the, not the tweeting is what matters or that's like your actual opinion. Um, but I, I think like you just are candid about it and I mean, all these kids are like finished products, man. Now, if they totally understand the leagues of business and that things are like this are going to happen and the world's so small these days with cell phones and like FaceTime and like these guys could get on a private jet anytime they want. They make so much money and see whoever they want. So it's like not as big of a deal. I don't think um, at least I'd like to think, but you know, hopefully that's the case. Hopefully we don't alienate guys or guys get mad about stuff like that. Um, we hope to continue the chemistry we have. Did you see anything from watching summer league from your couch?
0: Um, as far as just like overall, I honestly yeah. didn't get to catch a whole lot of games that, Like, I focused my time on the Grizzlies games. Uh, Did you see Rockets by chance? That's someone that's
1: that's a team that
0: I think is going to be pretty fun to keep up with for the next few years.
1: I did. I saw they played the Spurs. They played David Robinson Spurs. And they, however, this was after they held out um, Jalen Green uh, when he had that knee soreness. So I didn't get to see Jalen Green. So I got to see Josh Christopher and um, uh, Shingun um alfron alfron shengun i think um i think that's right and yeah i mean they're they're a fun team and obviously christopher got the majority of the shots because uh i don't think garuba was there i don't think he came over from spain did he play in summer league i don't believe he did um, the,
0: was the olympics going on then
1: they, they were over the at this point because okay. like a lot of the guy olympic guys were back um i got you you know at summer league uh cuz like uh, some of the gold medal guys were there like uh, apparently Chris Middleton showed up and was like dangling his gold medal around and like trolling people um, which is <laughs> honestly what I would do if I had a gold medal too so shots to him but um yeah the rockets i mean they're going to be they're going to lose a lot of games man uh and they're but they're going to be fun as hell losing if that makes sense and then they're going to get some people too like it it's going to be one of those games where Jalen Green has like 30 and You know, they just catch someone by surprise on like the second night of a back to back on like a February in Houston. You know, after like a lot of the guys went out in Houston the night before. Um, But yeah, I don't think that any of that front office plans to be good. I think they plan to capitalize on the lottery again, kind of grow this young team, um, and you know, try to find trade destinations for their vets uh, that 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 they don't think are going to be good locker room guys, and that's where where they will go from there. Um, But that you know, I will tell you, Jalen Green was already a celebrity man. He's such a striking presence because of his hair and i know that sounds weird but he's um he's got this like awesome flowing bouncy afro kind of thing that like just it looks epic and he looks very unique so he's very easy to spot he's obviously tall and um, skinny he's like six six um but uh you know he came out wearing these kind of bell-bottom jeans and like these skater shoes and like a rihanna shirt or something and like was just signing a ton of autographs of people and like, you know, he's barely played – he's never played an NBA basketball game yet. And you could tell he's, like, kind of built for the star thing. Oh, um, he's super Hollywood. Like He is. He is. Yeah, we saw him talk shit about Detroit. like um, oh, yeah. You know, which is – I'm really glad, really glad uh, that, that the Grizzlies were not up that high to be caught in the crosshairs like that. Because um, oh, yeah, I know that, that we hurt. would all, like, hate him for, a, like, a decade. Yeah. Um, However, let's not forget that Jaron once uh, did not submit his medicals to us uh, because he didn't want to go to Memphis. And, uh, you know, and then he sort of captured our hearts once he got here. And I think the city captured his heart. I think that's like kind of Memphis' thing, right, is that Hollinger always said it's not hard to re-sign a guy. In fact, they've never not re-signed a guy they wanted to um, in Grizzlies history. It's just hard to get guys there. But once they're there, you know, you see what it's about. And it's a unique its a unique city. It's you know, you and me being Memphians that don't live in Memphis anymore, it's very difficult to explain what makes Memphis, Memphis, um, you know, but, but it is what it is.
0: Yeah. And thing there's like, you're, people are fully behind you. If, for, if you're the uh, Grizzlies or Tigers, like folks are just behind you that there's not a, there's no other pro sports to compete with. So like, you know, out here there's color in Denver, there's like eight pro sports teams. People can pick and choose what they want. Memphis, it's just hoops.
1: That's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, that, that's definitely a part of it. Anything else you want to talk about on this episode as we coast through the dead zone of the NBA um, right now is the month of uh, the month of uh, all, like the second two weeks, actually right after Vegas summer league of August are commonly known as in front offices at the time where everyone could take vacation. Um, it's like the only time of the calendar year that you can leave and like nothing's happening really, even though you can still make trades and roster decisions and whatnot, um, which is kind of crazy how n- nonstop it is for the guys on the business side. Uh, but you know, I, so I think it's truly the dead zone. That's why you won't see much happening on the trade, uh, in the trade scene, um, or in, in, you know, in, with the rosters. So, uh, you know, I, I let the guys have some fun, you know, like they work all year for it.
0: Yeah, a couple a couple weeks. You know, that seems reasonable.
1: I think I think when, you use your use your two two weeks PTO or whatever the team.
0: Yeah, what uh when does preseason start? I, I didn't. Yeah, preseason look starts. To see when the first when the first game was. Uh, that date slipped in my mind.
1: It's October fifth or sixth. I think. I think the Nuggets' first preseason game actually. Uh, They only have one home preseason game. I know it's like the eighth. Um, And the Grizzlies actually have six total preseason games, which is the most of any team. Most teams are playing three or four. I don't know how that happened. Um, You know, maybe you just get to schedule it, and we'll get some guys run. And you know, obviously, like we're a young team, so it might make sense. Uh, But you know, something something around the first week of October they start happening, and the season kicks off. I think the nineteenth or twentieth, somewhere around there. Grizzlies open the season versus the Cavaliers, I believe, at home. Um, which you know, like Evan Mobley might have some draw there. Uh, a winnable game, I think. Uh, you hope you would certainly hope to kick off the season like that with a win. Um, you know, how do you feel? Did you have any notes about the schedule release?
0: Uh, no, I don't have those uh, in front of me.
1: Could be another episode. Maybe next week we'll talk about the schedule. Um, yeah. But cool, man. That's all I got. I gotta go listen to Don to some more. Yeah, I'll have to pull
0: that up. Did did Kendrick come out with something this week? I saw tweets about it, but I couldn't like find I'm 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 new to Apple Music, so I don't know how like how the new releases work and
1: stuff. I, I'm Spotify guy, man. Um, what?
0: You were wow. Wow. Spotify guy. You were the biggest Apple Music guy there for a minute. Huh
1: I was I was I was the biggest you Apple didn't Music tell guy because I didn't realize that somehow I like, it never occurred to me that this, this sort of thing existed that like a subscription service by month where you could listen to literally anything, um, had never really occurred to me until I got Apple music like four or five years ago. And I was like, holy shit, I can listen to like some crappy 2003 saliva album that I used to have when I was like 12 and it just like was a wave of nostalgia. Um, and then the ringer got bought by Spotify the corporate overlords of Spotify and they put all their old movie podcasts on Spotify. Um, and you can't get them anywhere else you have to get them on spotify so i was spending a lot of time on spotify and i was like i might as well just like move everything over here um that's why i did it so without a doubt the the ring the spotify's acquisition of the ringer totally swung my subscription dollars um so smart move by them just for my sake
0: Hmm. well i need like a declaration next time something like this happens when you just like trade teams like that but okay
1: Sorry about that. I should have made it more aware. Yeah. um, I'm flying Spotify colors now. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm a consumer, man. I like go and find the things that work best for me. I think we all do. like you're in jelly, you know, you're in Uncrustables, you know, strawberry, grape, who knows? Like, but people choose what's best for them.
0: So they do. So they do. All right, Sam. Well, thanks for, for joining me tonight. Um, We'll get. This episode published this week for everyone, and then we'll start getting back on track, pumping out some content, and talking Grizzlies hoops. Till next time, we'll see you guys later. Go Grizzlies. Go Grizz.